You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities, and though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Oh, this week on the Legion Clubhouse, dear listeners, we're hitting the middle part of the Big Earth War. Yeah, you thought Star Wars was cool. Wait till you see Earth War. <laughs> Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 243, Earth's Last Stand. Published September 1978. Written by Paul Levitz with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis, it's an all-out war, and the last line of defense is the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 244, The Dark Circle That Crushed the Earth. Published October 1978. Written by Paul Levitz with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. The true enemy stands revealed. But will it be too late for the Legion? I think we're going to uh, talk about both of these kind of together because there's not a whole lot that happens in in these two issues, Matt. I mean, there's a lot that happens. Right. But most of it is is punching and fighting and blowing stuff up and trying to solve the mystery of of who is behind all of this. Yeah. Really what it really comes down to in these two issues is a lot of fighty fighty and a lot of characters kind of moving around and jockeying around. But for me, we are at the point now where this, this is, you know, the beginning of a new kind of Legion story. We've seen multi-part. Well, the big five part Epic is now, kind of a, a you know a cornerstone of legion lore you've got like the great darkness saga you've got this earth war story we've got uh, coming up in not too long after that the um, legion of supervillains big arc and having this big story with all of the players and everybody in in line really does kind of show what the future not just of the legion but what of comics is going to be remember this is 45 years ago and we're doing five issue arcs with big interconnected massive storylines before Secret Wars, before Crisis on Infinite Earths. All of the stuff that we see today, uh, some of it bad, some of it good, I think can in some ways be traced back to the success of this big five-part arc. 
Well, yes, and and someone over on the Major Spoilers Discord, if you're not part of the Major Spoilers Discord, you should go sign up and join all the fun and the conversations. Uh, Someone in the Legion channel had mentioned that this is not the first instance of of, uh, DC jumping into uh, the five-issue story arc. Uh, That was done... Uh, the um, uh, in a Superman tale, I want to say, mm-hmm. and and goes from there. So this isn't the first time, but this is certainly a time where everything really, really works well together, and I like it. Yeah, I am not familiar with the five-part Superman arc, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I'm not necessarily a Superman, you know, junkie to the point where I can talk chapter and verse the way you can about Legion. But I feel like. When you get into Earth War, first of all, 243 is uh, the middle of the Earth War saga. I think it's part three of five mm-hmm. or part yeah. two of five. Part three. Because I guess there was, yeah, there was the prologue. But, but as part three of five, it just continually escalates. The Legionnaires are in peril and the fighting goes on. And oh my God, you know, the Dominators have been captured. Brainiac 5 disappears in space. And Everything just keeps building and building and building to the point where, you know, years ago we learned in the worst emergencies, the Legion of Substitute Heroes will show up and the subs pop up and it's just like, oh my God, and now they're gone. So the Legion is out of play. The Substitute Heroes are out of play. Who are we going to bring in? The retired Legionnaires. I mean, it's just this constant one-upping of the stakes that we've seen in these these Bronze Age stories, and even going back into those Silver Age stories, you'll see you know a story where oh my God, the Time Trapper has turned us all into children. What are we going to do? But we don't see these sustained. Well, that didn't work, and now more of us are out of action. Kind of stories, and I feel like two forty three especially is kind of it's a very shocking comic. I remember, you know, buying it and reading it and going, who are all these millions of people and why is everything so dark and how are they all getting beat up? Yeah. I think the, the best thing for, for anyone who hasn't read this, this feels like uh, Avengers Endgame, right? Where they're yes. all on Thanos's planet and uh, you know, you've got Iron Man and you've got your, your core Avengers, but then one by one, everybody starts coming out of the woodwork. So like you said, the Legion of substitute heroes arrive mm-hmm. and they're kicking butt left and right. And then, in 244, we have uh, the married uh, Legionnaires who have, as you said, retired. So we not only get Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel, but we get Lightning Lad and and Saturn Girl. And then, you know, at the very last minute, just when you don't think this you know comic could get any better because they've crammed everybody in there, pow, Karate Kid comes in and and uh, has suddenly <laughs> teleported in from the uh, from the 20th century and yeah. is and is kicking butt too. And it's it's really interesting because. It just, it, like I said, it feels like Avengers Endgame, but it also feels like not a not a, a show, a series ending. It feels like a big season ender, you know, the big season yeah. uh, closer that you have in television program where they bring everybody back. This is the big crossover event. This is the big two-parter, and they're mm-hmm. cramming as many of the main actors as they can into the show. And that's what this feels like. Now, on the, on the downside, there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of stuff that's going on because you have... People on the um, Weber's world who are trying to figure out, you know, what's going on there and why the Dominators have been kidnapped. And we, you know, we make a discovery that the uh, head of security, not the lizard guy, but the uh, other guy is uh, Ambassador Relnick. Yeah, he's secretly part of the Dark Circle. And he's being he's being impersonated. Well, yeah, let's just say. But right now. 
uh, he's, we find out that the Dark Circle is involved, and the Dark Circle is one of these longtime foes of the Legion, just like we've seen the... Um, uh, the well, the Dominators, they're not really a, a, a foe of the Legion. They've actually helped the Legion in the past, and that's why in, in this issue, the Dominators are like, hey, wherever the Legion goes, that's where we want to go because we know that we're going to be safe. We don't know about you other people. Uh, we see the Coons show up and how bad uh, that they can be. In fact, they're just wrecking havoc on Earth and maybe even foreshadowing a little bit of what happens um, in Invasion when the Coons, you know, bury themselves in and get entrenched onto Earth. And that's what they're trying to prevent uh, here. Uh, then there is uh, one other thing that uh, kind of stood out for me in this uh, that that, you know, it's just it's well paced and well timed as far as getting everybody in, giving everybody something to do. And it, it's it's interesting and it works. Now, a couple of things that are missing certainly is, as you said, as a young child or a first time reader who may not be um, familiar with all the members of the Legion, it would be nice to get a roll call or a tag or something somewhere to let everyone know who all of these people are. Because uh, when Color Kid shows up, you're like, who's this rainbow guy? Uh, who's this? <laughs> Who's this guy that can control plants? Plant Boy is probably what his name is. So I think that some of that stuff would be helpful throughout this issue just to let people know who it is or just have a roll call at the at the front of the book uh, to make this go. But, you know, beyond the beating up and the smashings and all of that stuff um, and, and the kind of the discovery of, of, like I said, the Dark Circle. And then, of course, uh, Brainiac 5 disappears into a, a black hole or, you know, seemingly by magic. And then we get to, you know, the final reveal that, oh, it's been more Drew all along. It just it, it just plays out so well. The only thing that would have, I think, made this story to this point even better would be if um, if the um, who are they, the, the fatal five show up at some point in this. I think that would have made this story even more interesting just to crank that up one more notch to just put one more thing that the Legion has to overcome uh, before they're taken out. One of the things that I really like. As far as when all these like guest appearances, I'll just say guest appearances, when they pop in is, you know, Bouncing Boy and Duo Damso and Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl are all together and they're like, ah, you are Legionnaires, you won't uh, harm us. And they're like, oh, no, we're not. We're not Legionnaires anymore. So that means we can kill you. We're not we're not <laughs> hindered by that crazy bylaw that says we do not kill. We'll take you out just like that, Jack. Uh, and so it's it's really cool to see those kinds of things happen and to see people get taken out one by one. My biggest complaint, kind of like what you indicated uh, last last time, was where's Tyrock? They make a mention towards the end of 244 that he's off on some detached mm, mission. Detached duty, yeah. But what does that mean? And do we ever find out what the heck is going on with Tyrock? We do. Uh, Tyrock returns just in time to leave. And I think the honest answer for what's going on with Tyrock is Levitz doesn't like him. Levitz finds the character loathsome, I think. In, in which way? I, I'm not entirely certain. I've never really read anything about it. But you see, um, it, when we did the wedding, Tyrock appeared for one panel and said, I'll stay here in Legion headquarters. He's missing during all of this when they bring back literally everybody. Uh, I think, you know, they haven't brought back Matter Eater Lad yet. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that was thing, one that's missing, too. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and Pharaoh Lad, yes, both of those two have, well, have gone missing. Dead. Yeah, well, so is Matter Eater Lad. He's pretty dead. Matter Eater Lad is not dead. Where is he? Matter Eater Lad was uh, coaxed back into politics. He was. Oh, drafted. that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're thinking of Invisible Kid, who's dead. But I never saw that. Never Invisible saw that. Invisible Kid. 
never, never saw, saw Invisible Kid. Never saw Invisible Kid die. You were just, yeah, why I yoda. Anyway, what was your question? Well, I was just wondering, you know, what do we ever get an explanation of what Tyrock is doing? You know, because part of me wants to go, oh, there's somebody is racist. Or mm. the other thing would be, you know, still around this same time, uh, even though we had the civil rights movement and, uh, you know, you're supposed to be all equal and everything. That's not the case when it comes to media. And as I've mentioned before, in a lot of media, especially film, it was kind of hinted at that if you have a black lead in your story, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, Southern audiences won't go and see these films. And right. so therefore, you know, your movie will will lose half the country because of this. Now, that's gone on to been proven wrong, but at, you know, wrong in the sense that Southern people would not go and see a movie with a black lead. Right. But, you know, I also and again, this is a little bit of a, a stuff some people may not want to hear, but in the adult film industry. If a white actress is partnered with a black actor, um, a lot of people say to the black uh, to the to the white actress that that is career suicide for her, that she will never be able to get certain jobs again because she's been with someone who is black. And I just can't help but wonder if that's what's going on in this in this book, why we there is absolutely there is zero reason, zero reason why Tyrock is not in this issue. Well, and, you know, Paul Levitz does stay on the Legion for almost another decade. Tyrock very seldom appears. He he literally will pop up again in a few issues just in time to disappear and will not come back, to my knowledge, uh, in any meaningful role until Keith Giffen takes over as writer for the Volume 4 Legion in 1990. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I think Levitz just doesn't like the character. I don't think that Levitz is necessarily not liking him because Levitz, you know, has any problem with black people. I think that the concept of the character and the origin and the things that people, you know, that we've brought up that are problematic about the character are enough that Paul didn't want to use him. Yes, you remember the the apocryphal story about Grell saying I made his costume as goofy as possible. You know, but but let's go ahead and keep the the Native American who has had what thousands of generations of in, inbreeding around, and uh, keep her costume, who is you know uh, straight off of a share uh, music video, and let's <laughs> let's keep her around and make her a big part of the story. But the person who can shout and destroy things with his sonic voice, um, let's let's write him out of the picture. You know, it'd be different if, if it would be different if he came back and he says, "Hey, I am really sorry." that I was not here during this, but as you know, there's a huge conflict going on on my, my floating Island. And so I've been really busy dealing with that. And I apologize. Um, you know, are we all good? You know, if that was, if that was the case, that would, that would work out right. But to just totally ignore, seemingly ignore that the character exists, uh, seems suspect at best. Well, you got to remember, Dawn Star is an anomaly because Levitz is her co-creator. So Levitz loves her and loves her and loves her. She will be a key part of Legion for years to come. So I will agree with you that it's weird that the same aspects of her, actually her costume as well, but the same aspects of her origin are in play. But I don't know. I, I really just feel like... From what I can see, just based on somebody reading these comics and how few times they use Tyrock, I just think Levitz doesn't care for him. Levitz thinks I mean, he sucks. And that's, and that's fine. I, I totally understand that. There are, there are certainly people that I would write out of, of my story uh, just because I don't care for them. 
Um, but hey. when the character has been was that a crack? established, and when you're doing a whole thing where everybody is piling on, mm-hmm. again, it seems yeah, it seems like a big slight. And especially to as we as we read in in one of our previous episodes to black readers who are like, oh, everybody's here except for the guy that I identify with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's a, I think that's a real problem. And I and I kind of wish that it was addressed somewhere uh, to bring it up beyond like, well, I just don't like the character because, you know, the 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 meh and the shrug of the shoulders is not an answer. Uh, I think to it be may honest. be all the answer we get. Well, but I, I'm just saying that that. Yeah, fine. Go ahead and say, meh, I, I, you know, I just don't like that character because leaving it at that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And right. I think a lot of people would lean in this day and age, lean to, hmm, <laughs> now we know. There's another thing that kind of is interesting uh, that I wanted to jump back to in 243. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starboy says something, and I think he's saying it's Princess Projectra mm-hmm. or maybe it's Dream Girl. He said, we couldn't get help from the matriarchy. Mm-hmm. Who, who is he referring to in this case? Because everybody that we've met that is a ruler of a planet or of a system has all been men. And I don't know if that was a slip or what's going on, but why would he say we couldn't get help from the matriarchy when we know that, you know, that we have a, an old bald guy who is the who's running the United Planets and we know that Princess Projectra's uh, father is still in charge on uh, Camelot World. Hmm. Uh, so I'm just curious as to who who he might be referring to. I thought he was referring to the Dominators because it comes right after the Dominators refuse to get involved in the ongoing uh, battle. I mean, hmm. you, you come in 243, we see... Uh, Ambassador Relneck trying to get assistance from the Dominators against the oncoming Kund Empire. Well, that's interesting because um, I guess I've never come across the idea, or not the idea, but never come across any kind of discussion that the Dominators are a matriarchal society. No, I don't think that they are. Yeah, so, so that's now really that you interesting. Mentioned it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would be very cool if that were the case. I was also wondering if that may be why in the current Brian Michael Bendis run of the Legion that the United Planets is run by a woman. If that's, you know, some kind of a, a, a nod there. Mm, I don't, I don't know. know. I would doubt it. I don't think uh, Bendis is making a whole lot of deep continuity cuts. I mean, that would be super, super deep, right? Yeah. I mean, just a one uh, a throw off line from one of the greatest uh, Legion arcs of this of this uh, first uh, volume of, of, of stories. There's also some changes that go on with the dominators themselves in this mm-hmm. book. You want to talk about that and why you like or dislike it? Oh, I hate it. Uh, the dominator faces, and I actually went back to their first appearance and this mm-hmm. is definitely artifacts of their first appearance, but in this issue, their mouths or plates or whatever they are, are drawn as Little grids with straight lines. They look like little filters, like a grill. Uh, And I find that more disturbing than the, you know, the post-crisis with their sharp fangs. Was that how it was in their first appearance? Well, I went back to their first. I forgot forgot what their first appearance is because I couldn't remember if they had the red dot 
in their first appearance or not. I remember them they, being. They did. They weren't yellow in their first yeah. appearance. At least the issue that I have, they were kind of blue. Mm-hmm. But if you actually go back to Adventure 361, they do have, and you know, the art style is different. So you have that moment where you're like, is it or isn't it a little round mouth or is it actually meant to be a grill of some sort? And I really can't tell. Yeah. Well, but so I went back and it's, it's just ambiguous enough that, you know, this being drawn as kind of a guy with a faceplate basically uh-huh. makes me wonder if the intention here by uh, Joe Statton, who joins the Legion team, I believe in this issue. Uh, was to try and make them look robotic or AI or artificial. Well, and so that's the interesting part, because if you jump into issue 244 and you look at the Dominators there, at least in my copy, uh, the Dominators now have bigger mouths and white, uh, not necessarily grill-like. It looks more like a big mouth full of teeth. Uh, If I were to, you know, if we're talking about Tyrock and then we were to look at the Dominators, with their yellow skin and their squinty eyes and their big, what looks like buck teeth, I might uh, ascribe something else to that, to that problem. Um, I also well, noticed that in 244, they're missing their, their dots on their foreheads. 244. And, you know, if you look at 243, mm-hmm. uh, it is Joe Statton. Joe Statton is the creator of E-Man and has a very cartoony style. But if you look at 243, he's actually inked by Jack Abel. Mm. And we complained. I complained about Abel inking Sherman because Abel inking Sherman makes it feel like a Jack Abel picture. The same is true here. Abel inking Joe Statton makes it a little more solid. It makes it feel more like a Jack Abel you know, character. But then you get into 244, and it's not Jack Abel any longer. You're actually looking... At um, uh, Joe Giella, who drew Flash for years and years and mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his, uh, yeah, his look really, really creepy. They almost look like a weird ambush bug, um, like a proto <laughs> ambush bug. They kind of look like, like uh, Jim Neighbors, his Gomer pile. <laughs> I'm probably, Legionnaire. probably not that, but at least here we're getting to see lips and we're getting yeah. to see, you know, teeth. And so, you right. know, even though they're missing their red dots, at least in my copy, and I'll talk about this in just a minute. Um, at least we're starting to get the mouthful of teeth that will eventually turn into these scraggly razor sharp things. And then we will start to look at the dots on their foreheads and the size of the dots on their foreheads, representing the caste system and where they sit in, in society. But I just, I just found that uh, rather interesting. Yeah, it's weird. And I honestly, I think what it is, is it's, you know, Staten drew both. So you presume that he had some degree of, uh, Familiarity. similarity to yeah. them and i think it's just a, a difference in the inking style but you also have to look at uh for a split second in 243 and i just barely recognize this uh element lad do you remember when we talked about element lad having his new costume that he never wore yeah turns out i was wrong he wears it for one panel in 243 oh what pa- what page is that because i'm, I'm After, curious to see that's the thing i'm trying to look do, 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 do. i found it and then i lost it but he's usually been wearing his, uh, you know, his costume with the arrow, the male symbol pointing right, up. Right. Because I, I guess I didn't notice a, a costume change in this. I guess I've, you know, there's so much going on yeah, in, in this comic. That's another thing. All right. So it's uh, on page. Just look at the corner and just 14. shout out the page 14. Okay. I see which one you're talking I know, about. That's I know how one. page numbers work. Thank you. 
You see him in the background, though, between the Wildfire yeah, yeah. and Ultra Boy. He's wearing yeah. his little alchemist costume for a second. Hmm, that's weird. It is weird because earlier in the issue, he's wearing his arrow costume. Yeah, and later in the and issue. By and by next, next issue, he'll yeah. be wearing his arrow costume again. So. Maybe maybe somebody a mistake or maybe it's the inker thinking he knows a little bit more than the than the artist and and trying to say, oh, well, this is the wrong costume. It's possible that they may have tried to transition to the new costume, didn't look right and decided to not do it or somebody, the new inker went, hey, you know what? I don't know this costume. I'm going to draw the other one. So... An, a, I've mentioned that my version is different than Matthew's. Matthew reads an original copy kind of stuff. And so that's printed on different inks, uh, different paper, you know, that kind of stuff. Things things age out over time. Uh, if you are, we are at the point now where these volumes are now easily available. In fact, you can go and get Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes Volume 2, which is a big omnibus collection that DC put out not too long ago. I've talked before about omnibus. Yeah, I've talked before about Omnibus um, 1 and how I have that. Uh, so when you go and you get those books, they've been recolored and they're on a different paper. And I don't mean like recolored like, oh, let's let's make uh, make sure that that um, Brainiac 5 is green and all the correct panels. No, what I'm talking about is they're using a better ink and a better paper. So everything looks a lot more crisp and detailed, which I really thought when I jumped into this. Uh, for this issue, I thought I was going to hate it because we've been kind of sharing back and forth the right. uh, the originals, whatever originals I have, whatever originals you have, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, for some reason, I forgot to get 243. And so I went and grabbed it digitally uh, on Comixology. And I'll start putting a link for those of you who want to follow along with with these tales. If you don't already have copies of these, you can buy these on Comixology as individual issues or you can buy the Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes volume and okay. uh, get a whole bunch of them in a row. Like, I think there's like 25 comics or something like that in each one. I may be wrong on that. But, um, you know, you get you get lots of stuff in here for like 20 bucks. And it's a, it's a pretty good deal. So um, if you're wondering when I say, oh, well, my colors are a little bit different, or I notice this right. is a little bit different, it's because we were actually referencing at this point in time going forward, totally different, totally yes. different um, uh, volumes. It also means that I don't necessarily have access to any of the letters pages or other stuff, unless Matthew scans them and sends them to me and that kind of stuff. So I'll so, start doing that. Yeah. You'll, so that does bring up a question for me on page 23 of which issue of two forty four. Okay. Let me get right. Page as 23. The, the invulnerable legionnaires, ultra boy, Monel, wildfire and Superboy, yes. are ready to encircle the nuclear blast. Okay. Yes. Panel one, you see the Legion. Now, are they monochrome? Uh, all... in, in this one, yes. They are um, They are all red background, and they're yellow. Yellow. Okay. Yeah. So in the next panel, you see Colossal Boy, Dawnstar. Yeah. Who else is and in the, that panel? Uh, Dark Circle. Uh, there's Lightning Lad in the background. Uh -huh. And then there is, um, what's his name? Ultra Boy. Ultra Boy. Okay. So Ultra Boy is in two places at once in your issue, too, because Ultra Boy is fighting the Dark Circle and encircling the uh, the plot. Oh, yeah, I wonder the who that. I wonder who that's supposed to be because it's clearly that's supposed to be Sun Boy. Oh, okay, because it's clearly Ultra Boy. Yeah, it's supposed to be Sun Boy, and Lightning Lad isn't part of this either. That should probably be Element Lad based mm. on the hairstyle. Yeah, probably. So it's another example where I wonder how loose Joe Staten's pencils were. Uh, whether the you know we say that we saw the huge difference in the Dominators, we see some difference in. You know, the breakdown of the Legionnaires, we see real differences. And of course, the the Element Lad costume issue. 
I'm wondering if these were super loose pencils and they were inked by, you know, two guys at roughly the same time to keep these suddenly double-sized books, you know, the 44-page books on time. Yeah. But again, I don't know. By Are the you, way, 44-page yeah. books now, we're officially, we, we, the DC implosion, the explosion has arrived. Okay. Uh, okay. We're actually, at this point, the implosion is is starting to happen. This is the point when DC, by 78, uh, DC is starting to pull back on their comics and their as I mentioned, I think I mentioned last episode or maybe the episode before. At one point, they went up to like 52, 57 um, yep. issues that, that they were doing. July of 78. This 243 yeah. was on the stands the first week right. of July of 78. And then by the end of the year, they had reduced it down to like 26 titles, yep. uh, which is interesting because before the explosion, they started out with 27 titles or they had 27 <laughs> titles. And so yep. they ended up actually losing a title in the process. And then over yep. the coming and, and one of those, of course, uh, that was lost in the in the implosion was those giant sized ones that we've already reviewed. The wedding special was a giant size. The Superman right. meets Ali uh, was a was a giant size. So that went away. There's a whole bunch went away. And later on, they would take those those some of those stories and they would put them into what was that uh, short story anthology series where they were bringing a lot of those things. The stories uh, showcase, that they, yeah, showcase and detective comics were yeah, both yeah. doing them. Yeah, yeah. So, but two forty three is the first Legion book in in what I think of as the explosion format, where it's a double sized book, a fifty cent book, forty four pages of interiors, and basically for June, July, and August, maybe early September of seventy eight, you'll see a lot of books in this format. Whereas Legion had been a double sized book with sixty cents, but some of it was reprint material for the yeah. last several months. Yeah. This book has actually gone down in price as part of the explosion, which is weird. Yeah, well, but other so, books have doubled up too. So, for some of you who are like, well, "Why are they doing this at the end of the year? Why, you know, why all of a sudden did we hit, you know, this time period, and then all of a sudden we start to slack off?" Um, there was a huge winter storm that took place in the winter of seventy-seven and seventy-eight. So, from basically November through February. Uh, all up and down the East Coast and through central parts of the United States, uh, huge blizzards were trapping people. I mean, it's not unlike the recent blizzard conditions that that Dallas and, and the uh, East Coast suffered, where there were power outages. There were people that that died because of uh, all the snow. And most importantly, mail couldn't get through to uh, a lot of these stores. And so what was ended up happening was if you can't get product, you can't sell product. Product gets returned, and then the execs are looking at this going, well, none of these titles are selling, and it's already been three months. It's time to start pulling the plug. This was a big mistake. And unfortunately, I think if they had just given it a little bit more time, I, I'm sure that there are some other things in play besides the Winter Storm, but yeah. certainly the Winter Storm was one of the biggest players in the DC implosion. Um, you know, maybe there were people who were not ready for the added cost, the sudden jump in price, but... Had this been able yep. to go on, say, through November, through December at this pace, and then in 79, they said, well, this isn't working. Let's start drawing back. I think by 79, yep. you would have seen that this was a format that people were embracing. Um, and I think you would have seen, number one, you would have definitely seen the other publishers start to increase their prices, uh, yeah. cover prices as well. I, I seriously doubt that you would have seen a Marvel going, oh, no, we're going to keep our our comics at 35 cents instead of 50 cents when those guys across the block are now making an extra 15 cents per issue. Let us get on some of that 
um, action. And that's what happens today, right? You see somebody says... That's actually what Marvel did. They yeah. they they had been uh, sending out 35-cent kind of bellwethers to see, mm-hmm. and then they were like, nope, 30 cents. Yeah. And and so I, I think that by the end of, end of 78, I think that this would have worked out well, but I think already jittery uh, owners of DC Comics were looking at the fact that they were second place, that they were getting their their lunch taken away from them by the big bully Marvel, the fact that sales weren't where they thought they would be and just got too nervous and yanked the plug too early. That's my that's my overall assessment of that is that if they would have just pushed that a little bit longer, they would have come out on top. And I think we've kind of seen that most recently with with COVID. Right. Um, We saw a bunch of, you know, the comics industry in 2020 essentially shut down. Pencils down was what a phrase that was told to a lot of artists and writers in that we are ceasing publication or at least distribution of our comics for the near future. And this was this was everybody except D.C. um, because they they couldn't get their comics shipped through Diamond Comic Distributors because of the the stores weren't open. And of course, uh, changes in covid protocols meant that companies like Diamond weren't allowed to go to their warehouses. They couldn't, uh, you know, they had to keep distances. They weren't able to deliver stuff. So a lot of stuff that's happened in the last year, Matthew, is very similar to what's happened in 77, 78 in terms of comic book shipments. But this time, instead of DC going, oh, no, we're going to have to cancel all of our comics. What they did was said, well, we're going to go find a company that can distribute these comics and get them to people uh, through the current current means. And so they went with Lunar and they went with, I forget the other the other company, uh, they went ahead and ended up sticking with Lunar at the end. But they said, look, uh, until this deal with Lunar is done, uh, we'll start releasing comics digitally. And so a lot of stuff went to Comixology first. And so they were able during the pandemic when everyone was shut down to continue along with some other publishers. I'm not saying that DC was the only one, but they were the big one uh, that said we are going to continue to ship comics out during this this time period. Now, a lot of that may be the AT&T folks saying you better make some money. And so in desperation, they broke their contract with diamond and they went with lunar and the other company. And, you know, now they're in this situation where for DC right now, new comic book day is on Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays for the rest of the comic book world. So just some observations that I have on all this. And I think it does have to do partly with the fact that, you know, AT&T WB, whoever it is, is a major conglomerate. Whereas, you know, in 77, They were owned by the Kinney National Company, which apparently is not the same as the Kinney Shoe people, but sort of (laughs) is. Yeah. Uh, But in any case, yeah, essentially at the beginning of 78, they're like, okay, here's our budget for the year. This is what you're going to do with it. Here's all the cool things we're going to do. Mid-year budget review. The Kinney people are like, nope. And so to some degree, you're exactly right. I think that the corporate overlords or the backers or the, the money people, whoever it is, put the brakes on a lot of things, which forced, uh, I believe DC ended up firing like 40% of their yeah, they, people. Yeah, they laid off a lot of their staff. I don't yeah, remember they, what the what the total number is. I've, I've been doing a lot of research. For those of yeah. you that, that uh, sign up to the Major Spoilers uh, Weekly, which is an email that I send out uh, once a week, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of, probably by the time you're hearing this, about a month or so ago, I had mm-hmm. sent something out about, that kind of chronicled the DC explosion and why the winter storm that Dallas and Denver, you know, or I'm not Denver, but Texas was experiencing a, a few weeks ago. Mm. Why that was very similar to this. So I had done some stuff. I'd been doing research for a while on it, but that, that seemed like the perfect time to get it out there. So if you want to sign up to the major spoilers weekly, it's not something that we flood your, your inbox with. It's something that 
uh, only goes out weekly. It doesn't contain spam. It's got original content in it, plus links to a bunch of reviews and other things that we have at the Majorspoilers.com website. Just go over to Majorspoilers.com, and on the right column, uh, you'll see a sign up for the Major Spoilers email list. Just pop your email in there, and uh, we'll get it on there. It's not something that we're going to sell your your name to somebody else, because I don't believe in that kind of crap. Uh, but it's definitely something that you can sign up and get some uh, some unique insights uh, about what's going on in the world. This week, I think it was Teen Titans. Um, mm. It was Teen Titans, uh, why they are the the best property that DC has, because they're able to span all age groups and offer something up for each age category in that. So, yeah, Matthews uh, sent me a link to the Tomorrow's um, yes. uh review of the implosion that's uh, that's one of my reference materials that i have on that there's a lot of really good reference materials but the tomorrow's one is a very good one that's a very good book yeah i was reading that this uh last couple of months yep uh so let's get to the end of this into this 244 episode when we reveal that mordrew has been infiltrating the dark circle he's Mm -hmm. been manipulating people including siobhan who couldn't whatever he was keeping her from saying that Mordrew has escaped, and so that would have uh, tipped everyone off that he was the big bad all along, which I'm not yep. really sure that just Mordrew escaping would have been the reveal that, you know, that he's behind the coons attacking and the Dominators, you know, stuff. Well, it might you, have you explained have at, some of it. Yeah, but. who's been manipulating the Dark Circle? Who, who magically made Brainiac 5 disappear? Also, this the, is impressive. The, he the managed to capture Shadow Lass when she hadn't even appeared in the last two issues. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. impressive scariness. So right are there. you, are you pleased with the reveal? Because I've seen a couple of people uh, online and in, and in Twitter mentions to me saying, Oh man, yes. Earth war is awesome until you get to the reveal of who the big bad is. And then it's just a big old turd after that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sure. Cause I haven't read that issue yet. Uh, but, um, I, but I, I don't know. Maybe it is. I mean, I'm not a huge Mordrew fan. I, I, I have, I like magic, so don't get me wrong. I like the yeah. idea of magic and ultra-powerful wizards and that kind of stuff. Where I have a big problem with it is the same reason that I have with Princess Projectra. Why the heck is she living on a planet that is all Camelot world when they got spaceships and zippy planes uh, and uh, lifelong, uh, you know, life-extending serums? Why are they still living in, you know, the 14th century? And well, so, they like it that way. And, and so when Mordrew shows up, sometimes that... that smashing of technology and magic kind of puts me off a little bit. And I think that is part of the problem. Uh, having read earth war a number of times, I can tell you that, well, I won't tell you how I feel about it till we get there in a couple of issues, but I will tell you this, there is a, a trope, uh, called a wizard did it. Yeah. And a lot of Agatha times when you along. say a wizard did it, it comes out to be a really dumb story. So, I mean, earth war has been built up to be this, big challenging legion story where it's not just one person you can punch you know it's intergalactic uh, espionage and it's it's trying to keep people at arms there's you know an aspect of diplomacy to it it's a it's a next generation storyline it's a picard and riker have to go in and deal with you know the battle at wolf 359 and then a wizard did it you know is a the kind of revelation that you get from the old series. It's mm-hmm. the, uh, Oh my God, this guy is all powerful and made them fight the Klingons with swords. So I feel like, uh, without, you know, again, twisting too much, I feel like the Mordru reveal is a turning point for this story. And it does make for a big, big cliffhanger moment of dun, 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 
you know, one of the most dangerous foes of the Legion is here. But what happens next is whether or not you can justify that a wizard did it trope, whether it's going to turn into a really cool moment or whether it's going to turn into a, I think is a little bit in the eye of the beholder. By the time you hit what? 246. Is that when you're like, Oh, I think 245 is the end. Yeah. 245 is 245 is the end. And that's when we get to see some Legion members come back into the fold. Um, and then 246 is uh, the first issue of a another new format where the book drops down back down to 24 pages. Yeah. So things, you know, end up being shaken up for a few months there, too. OK, well, we'll just have to see uh, how it all works out in the next uh, next episode of the Legion Clubhouse. But for now, <laughs> I, you know, I still really enjoyed this. I mean, there's questions yeah. that I have, but yeah. um, I think overall this is, you know, this is a this is a fun story. And and yep. I like what we got, and I just really like the fact that there's all action, and everybody shows up in this. I, I dig that. Yeah, it is definitely a strong pair of issues, and we haven't had a big all-out action issue like this in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say the last one arguably would have been the wedding, and even that was kind of a, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Let's hang out and wear overalls in 1977 for half the issue. Mm -hmm. These two are legitimately space war stories in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And I agree with you. They are very, very strong. I really, really wish that Sherman had gotten at least to finish the earth war. Yeah. Or, you know, honestly, these Grell covers, I'm like, Grell can come finish the Earth War, too. Uh, Give me Dick Giordano. Give me anything. Because as much as, you know, I love Joe Staten on E-Man, I'm not feeling Joe Staten on Legion in these first couple of issues. So Yeah, it's fine. I'm fine with the art overall. Uh, There are a couple of times, I think it's in 244, where Superboy looks like a teenager. But then by the time you get into, like, 245, he's back to looking like a thinner Superman, like, you know, the Swan Superman almost. So yeah. well, we'll look at that. We got that coming up in the next, we'll in the next we'll episode. Yeah. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion clubhouse. Thank you everyone who does go over into our discord and share some thoughts there. And thank you to everybody who jumps into the Twitter and uh, sends us messages. I certainly appreciate everybody who does that. And no, you're never bothering us, even though I may joke about it. You're never bothering us when you're adding to the conversation. That's always the best bit. When you can add a little bit more to the conversation, I love it. Uh, When you try to tear people down, that's when I'm like, "Mm, time to tune you out. But uh, everybody, everybody so far in this show has been wonderful. And we want to spread the word. So what are you waiting for? Head over to iTunes. uh, Share some reviews there. If you've got a different podcast player, share some reviews over there. All those reviews do help. Spread the word. If you're hanging out in a comic shop as now people start to uh, uh, get out there into the public once again. Maybe mention, hey, did you guys know that there was this Legion podcast that you can go check out? And they're doing every single issue. Well, most every single issue. Uh, and you can go along with the fun. So if you could spread the word for us, that would be greatly appreciated as well. So until next time, I'm waiting in anticipation, lad. And I'm if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, kid. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa.
This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.